0: Good morning. Welcome to First Church. I'm Reverend Brenda, one of the pastors here. Thank you for being here in person and joining us online. We are excited that you have joined us at First United Methodist Church, Fort Worth, for the gathering. Uh, If you are joining us online, please let us know that you are participating by filling out the survey online. And then if you are here in person, if you would fill out the attendance pass, pass them down the row and make sure you sign in your attendance. Pastor has asked us to read our Wesley Covenant prayer every single day. I have joined in that venture and I invite you to join us as well. If you do not have your Wesley Covenant prayer, you can find the card at every exit door. Today we celebrate our United Methodist women and information can be found about them in the garden as you leave. Please make sure you gather information about our United Methodist women. Breakfast tacos are back. We invite you to come a little early and join us for coffee and conversation. Stop by Wesley Hall, pick up a breakfast taco, have some coffee, have some conversation. Our breakfast tacos are provided from Pearl Snap, and they are $2, and we accept cash or credit. Yes. Now... Would you join me in our call to worship by standing if you are able? God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. When we are unsure of the future but trust in God's faithfulness, God, will show us God is good all the time. be with us today god as we journey into the unknown you are good all the time god we worship you amen well good morning everybody
1: everybody feeling good did you get coffee went through the garden Met all the united methodist women yeah you did okay, all of them, yeah every single every single person, uh, so glad that you 're here with us today, either online or in person uh, my name's Clint Church i 'm um, one of the gathering band worship leaders along with the gathering band. Uh, this is our good friend Kagan Parker she uh, yeah hey whoo you you may have met Kagan before if you go to eleven eleven she sings a lot over there, but we're so glad to have her joining us today so Welcome. Um, This first song is one that, uh, it's an old hymn, uh, one that we do a lot. This is called Come Thou Fount. We invite you to sing along with us.
2: seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Here's my heart, oh take it, seal it, seal it for thy courts above.
1: I've got a friend, closer than a brother, there is no judgment, oh how he loves me, I've got a friend, he is my strength, he is my portion, with me in the valley, With me in the fire, with me in the storm. His grace is sufficient to come if you're needing forgiveness and healing his mercies enough.
3: special time right now in our worship service, and I want to invite the parents of Luke Emerson Sealing to come forward for the baptism. Baptism is a celebration, not just in the life of this family, but in the life of the entire church. And we've, when we baptize the sweet babies, just look at him. Look at that gown. When we baptize these babies, we are all reminded that we come to the relationship with God not on the basis of what we do, but only because God extends his love and grace to us long before we even realize it. And so now parents, Kayla, Derek, I have a few questions for you. Do you, in presenting this child for holy baptism, confess your faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? If so, say, we do. We do. Do you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, all nations, and all races? If so, say, we do. We do. Will you nurture Luke Emerson in Christ's holy church that by your teaching and example he may be guided to accept God's grace for himself at the proper age, to profess his faith openly, and to lead a Christian life? If so, say we will. We will. What name is given to this child?
0: Luke, Luke Emerson's All
3: right, Luke, let's see how you feel about another mama holding you. Mm-hmm. Come here, baby. Oh, sweet. Oh. All right. Let's, let's do this little twist over here. All right, little grunts. Now, Luke, there's this water here. It's very special. Luke Emerson, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, will you all please put your hands on Luke and church? You all pray with me. Luke Emerson, by being baptized with the water and the spirit, let you grow up to be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. Ooh. Yes, he's grunting. <laughs> Friends, he's so precious. This is our new member here in our church. He is now part of our family. We're going to welcome him. But before we do that, I want to tell you that baptism is not just a promise that we make with the parents, you all are involved too. We as a church also promise to do everything we can to provide the sacred place for Luke Emerson to grow up, know his faith, and have many different ways in which he can remain and grow to be the disciple. That is my church way of saying, Luke, it's time to go to your mommy that there is plenty of ways in which we can support children in this church. And you don't have a need for Luke to grow out of the nursery age. You know what? Mr. Mark, right now in children's ministry, is looking for sub-teachers. So, <laughs> there is plenty of children that have been baptized in this church for years. Every year we celebrate the sacred moments. And I always, always encourage you to think, how can I step up and help these precious children grow up and know their faith and know how to live it out? So now will you please welcome Luke Emerson with a round of applause to our church.
4: Don't you love it when somebody comes up to speak and they have a whole list of pieces of paper? Uh, (laughs) Situations I don't, I can't read, (laughs) so it's big. My name is Karen Kegler-Walker, I am president of United Methodist Women here at uh, First Church. We are so happy to welcome you. Uh, If you're not familiar with UMW, you are going to in about a minute and a half here. Let me ask how many of you are UMW members? You have someone in your family who has been a UMW member? uh, You would like to be? Uh, Yes. (laughs) Yeah, we'll let you in. Um, Our purpose is to serve women and children, and this is our primary purpose. Um, but we also know that we need to grow ourselves spiritually and so we put our effort into that and then our uh, motto our theme for this year I think was up on the screen that's okay um, and that is uh, serving God through the fu- the fruit of the spirit which is if you if you don't know this is going to give you something to go home and look up but it's such things as peace and kindness and uh, love, uh, and there are nine of those. We have um, our mission is our, as I said, it's our greatest um, focus. And we serve, and this is a list of the people that we serve, primarily foods, food for kids, UMW CFW Children's Mission, that is our parent organization, the uh, United, also the United Christian um, Um, United Women of Faith and then also the CFW Uh, UM UMCFW Youth Mission and Trip Scholarship Kids Hope USA Mentoring Methodist Children's Home in Waco The Methodist Justice Ministry We gave $20,000 to this ministry last year We think it's that important We also uh, give to the United Community Centers in Fort Worth Uh, We have a United Women's Endowment Fund here, and they both, we support it, and they then in turn support us. Uh, This is an amazing thing. I've been to any number of churches. I have never seen a UMW Endowment Fund before. Uh, Then we also give uh, a portion of our pledges to our conference. In all last year, we gave away $39,289. And I think that's phenomenal, given that for the past two years, it has been COVID, and we were not able to do much. But I'm going to tell you what our big fundraiser is and why we had so much in just a minute. We are made up of these large, this large number of women, uh, but we are broken into what are called circles. And that is really an old Wesleyan term, but it is just a smaller group of women that come together because of a certain age, because of a certain interest, because of uh, the time that they meet. There there are no criteria. But people do tend to need to group together uh, when it's convenient for them and with the people they feel are comfortable. Um, I am, I I went yesterday, I will do an aside here, I went yesterday to a United Women in Faith conference. And the issue with our parent company is that, our parent, um, our organization, is that they're losing members and they're mostly losing it from young women. They are not being able to keep up. There are other issues, but one of the things that I came away thanking God, praising God, that we are strong when it comes to our young women. They are not abandoning us. In fact, they're joining us. Uh, And so what I have broken these circles down into are three different areas. The young women, these are our future. This is our future. Uh, And so we want you young women, to join us, help us grow, help us do what you need for us to do for this community. You know the young people here better than we do. Uh, So we need you. We have the Elizabeth Circle, uh, and that is women in their late 20s through 30s. We have the Martha Circle, pretty much age 30 to 50. And then we have these emerging leaders, and I'm really fond of this group also. I'm fond of all of them. But this is our Esther Circle, and these are the women who are in their 40s and up. And they are emerging leaders. They will be the ones that take people my age and older uh, when we are no longer able to serve or no longer here. And that will help us push uh, First Church and our United Methodist women forward. Then we have what I call a bridge group. They probably wouldn't call themselves that, but that is the Circle of Eve. Um, and that is women who are from 40 to 70. They really have a broad group, and so they can bring to us so much value having that group all together. And then what I call our rocks, our sustainers, our mavens. These are the women who have been here for I won't say how long, but a long time. I'm part of this group. We have Hannah Circle. It's the largest that we have. It's age 50 plus. We have Ruth Circle, which is 50 plus. And we have Susanna again, which is uh, 50s, but primarily 60s plus. We raise our money by having a tea. Did any of you attend the tea last year? Some of you did. Oh, you're missing out on something. We have a tea in the spring. This is how we raised most of our money last year. Come with your daughters, your granddaughters, your nieces, your sisters, your moms. uh, And it's just a grand afternoon. Uh, It is on the 23rd of April. You will see more about it. The only thing I would have to say is when we offer it, sign up because it will sell out very fast. We have a new table outside. You're going to see, see if you haven't that we have UMW tables everywhere. These are the tables for the various circles, and also we have one for new members, people who might be interested in us. We have one for our, um, excuse me, uh, for our um, all of the circles, as I said, and then our endowment fund. We do have that as part of. Actually, that's that. Uh, <coughs> excuse me that friend I was talking about earlier. And we have kids things. We've got cookies out there. We have uh, a packet that has a fun thing in it for you to do. So your parents or you, uh, if you can read, can learn about the, the fruit of the spirit. So, and there are cookies. So thank you very much. I hope that you will join us anytime. This is a packet for the kids. And then we've got some stickers. So thank you very much.
3: God, it was my part. We will pray right now. We will pray together. We will uh, pray um Prayers of the people, something that we do every single time when we get together. It's our sacred tradition. And this is when I invite you to say with me prayer of confession, recognizing that at any moment of time, any day, we always need God's love, God's grace, God's forgiveness. We always pray to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity. And today, for the duration of this month, just as Pastor Lance encouraged us, Part of our prayer is going to be the Wesley Covenant prayer. So if you have said it today already, you will say it with me again. Um, I do invite you to pray this prayer every day, just like uh, Pastor Brenda mentioned. It does provide this kind of a founding, grounding feeling when you start a day with something that is so devoted to being faithful follower of Christ. So I do invite you to join me in Wesley Covenant prayer that will conclude our prayers of the people. Let's pray. Loving and gracious God, you call us to trust you in every circumstance of our lives, yet far too often we do not. In crisis, we sometimes lose hope. When enduring trials, suffering illness, or facing death, we often grow bitter and forget your love. Stripped of the idols of our wealth and status, we try in vain to control our lives. Eager to be successful, we often wander away from your path of righteousness, falling into the pain of addiction, greed, and blind ambition. Absorbed by our wants and desires, we are too often blind to those around us who need our care. Forgive us, God. Forgive our doubts, our bitterness, and our fear. Turn our hearts to you that we may taste fullness of life and trust your promised salvation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Father God, the creator of all, your creation testifies about your power, new lives, new baptisms, new hopes. For all of this, God, we give you thanks. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Everything that you create, you make free. And over and over again, our freedom is used for the purposes of sin. And yet, when we were at our worst, you did not abandon us. You joined us as Jesus Christ to redeem us, and for this, God, we give you thanks. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Always and everywhere, o Holy Spirit, we are never alone. You cover us with your grace and peace, and for this constant presence of God, we give you thanks. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Today, God, I'm lifting up Julie, Kate, and Zoe, Pat, Deborah, Riley, Lane, Piper, and Boston. Lord, in your mercy hear our prayers. Are there any others? Lord, in your mercy. Say the names of people you are praying for today. Who needs the prayer? Who needs to be reminded of God's grace? Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. And now, Lord, we are joining together, saying the words of our covenant prayer. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Place me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be put to work for you or set aside for you, praised for you, Or criticized for you let me be full let me be empty let me have all things let me have nothing I freely and fully surrender all things to your glory and service and now a wonderful and holy God creator redeemer and sustainer you are mine and I'm yours so be it And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it also be made in heaven. Amen now I invite the ushers to come forward with the baskets. We are going to receive the gifts, our offerings, our tithes. You can always give online. This is what the majority of our congregation does. And if you do so, but you still want to visibly participate in this act of generous giving in support of our church, there is a card in front of your pew that you can put into the basket as a sign of your faithfulness, as a sign of your generosity. Our church does a lot. You have just heard care and saying all of the amazing things that women's ministry is raising money for every single year and supporting. We are touching people's lives. We are transforming our communities. And all of that is possible because of your generosity. Please pray with me for these offerings. Loving and gracious God, bless these gifts and the givers, bless their generous hands, and also bless us as a church who is your steward, who takes the resources that you have trusted us with and uses them for the transformation of our community, the lives here, and the world. In Jesus' name I pray.
0: Amen.
5: Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Exodus, selected verses from chapter 1 and 2. I will be reading from the New Revised Standard Version and invite you to read along in your own Bible or one of the Pew Bibles in front of you. It is on page 49 in the Pew Bible. The king of Egypt spoke to two Hebrew midwives named Shipra and Pua. When you are helping the Hebrew women give birth and you see the baby being born, if it is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, you can let her live. Now the two midwives respected God, so they didn't obey the Egyptian king's order. Instead, they let the baby boys live. So the king of Egypt called the two midwives and said to them, why are you doing this? Why are you letting the baby boys live? The two midwives said to Pharaoh, because Hebrew women aren't like Egyptian women, they're much stronger and give birth before any midwives can get to them. So God treated the midwives well, and the people kept on multiplying and became very strong. And because the midwives respected God, God gave them households of their own. Then Pharaoh gave an order to all of his people, throw every baby boy born to the Hebrews into the Nile River, but you can let all of the girls live.
6: Now a man from Levi's household married a Levite woman. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that the baby was healthy and beautiful, so she hid him for three months. When she couldn't hide him any longer, she took a reed basket and sealed it up with black tar. She put the child in the basket and set the basket among the reeds at the riverbank. The baby's older sister stood watch nearby to see what would happen to him. The Pharaoh's daughter
2: came down to bathe in the river where her women's servants walked alongside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent one of her servants to bring it to
6: her. When she opened it, she saw the child. The boy was crying and she felt sorry for him. She said, this must be one of the Hebrew children. Then the baby's sister said to the Pharaoh's daughter, would you like me to go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you?
4: Pharaoh's daughter agreed. Yes, do that. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child and nurse it for me and I will pay you for your work. So the woman took the child and nursed it. After the child had grown up, she brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter who adopted him as her son. She named him Moses because she said, I pulled him out of the water. God speaks to us through the reading of Scripture.
6: Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. I'm Reverend Phyllis Barron, one of your pastors here, and it is an honor to get to be here in front of you today to bring uh, the message to you. If you are online or in person, I welcome you to this service, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you for coming to worship. And then for all the people that make this happen, we think that it just appears, but all these wires and microphones and all these things that are here take time. There's people here way before you get here setting all this up and we give thanks for all of that. And also we have talked about it a lot, but it is United Methodist Women's Sunday. And I want you to go to the garden, get you a cookie, get you some stuff. But we thank the women of this church. They've been your ushers. They've been your greeters. They've been here. They've been doing things and without them, what would this church be? I mean, they talked a little bit about their fundraiser, but they have blessed so many women and children throughout the years, and they kind of downplayed it. But to give the resources that they do, and I know Justice Ministry is one of my favorites, and the money they give to that goes for counseling, counseling for children and women that have been abused so they can go forward with their lives. That's amazing. And that's what this organization does, and I give thanks for all of them. Now, we have been in a series about promises, the promises of God, that our God is a promise-making, promise-keeping God. And when we hear the story today of Moses, you know a lot about it, but I bet there's things you don't know. Because the five women that are talked about in this story, normally we just kind of gloss over. They really get about 20 verses and that's it. That's it. Everything else is all talking about Moses, but without these women, you would not have the story of Moses. So I wanna share with you a story that happened in my life. United Methodist woman knows this story, but I've never shared it with the congregation. What transformed my life was this one woman. And this woman, her name was Alta Mae Smith. Now you can tell by the name Alta Mae, she might be a little older. And she definitely was. I grew up in Sanger, Texas, not a big church like this, but we had about 200 people on a Sunday morning. So we're kind of what they call an average Methodist church. But we were exceptional in the fact that we had a pretty good youth group. We had about 50 kids that came on Sunday morning and Sunday night. We had about 20 in junior high and we had about 30 in the senior high group, okay? Now we couldn't pay someone to come work with us, probably because we were terrible. But they were begging, just like Xenia said, at our baptism today, we make a pledge, we make a covenant, we make a promise, just like God does to us. How are we going to step forward? Well, this woman at age 75 years old said yes. She had no children of her own. Now, as a youth, I was about 13 years old, I looked at this woman going, right, great, I'm so glad we have her coming into our youth group. But she was amazing. She was ahead of her time. It was before you had Bible trivia and all those games. She created all of those. She would put four chairs in the room and make like a baseball diamond. And in that baseball diamond, you would ask for an easy question that would get you to first base. Or if it was a really hard question, you might get a home run. We never got home run questions correct. She made books of the Bible for us out of Go Fish cards. She wrote the names on there for us so that we would learn what was the Old Testament, what was the New Testament. What was prophecy? What was the, you know, the books, the letters? We didn't know any of that stuff. We really didn't, but she made it so fun and so engaging that we went and we loved her. And what was amazing, she stayed with us for seven years. No pay, no curriculum, nothing but the love of Christ in her heart. And we went from about 50 kids, which isn't bad for a small church, to between 70 and 80 children every single Sunday morning and Sunday night. It was absolutely amazing. We did mission projects, we did everything, but it was that woman that said, yes. She knew that her God had promised to love her throughout her entire life. And she took that calling very seriously that she needed to love others. And that's where our scripture takes place today. It starts all the way back with these amazing women because we have an amazing God, someone that will love us and will be with us. Now the story of Moses, most of us know, but I want to back up just a tiny bit so you know what's really happening, that the story starts back with Joseph, 350 years ago, and he comes into Egypt and he was really liked. He came because he helped the Egyptians with a famine. He came and he gave them food and helped rescue them. So these were immigrants that came into the land that were really liked. But as time went on, they didn't like him anymore. And the Pharaoh didn't know who Joseph was. He didn't know the covenant and didn't know the scriptures. So he got fearful. So we have a new Pharaoh in town, a new king, and he gets fearful. And so what he does is he starts passing down all these horrible things that are going to happen. And so the first thing that he does is he turns them into slaves people that were welcomed into their country became then slave and in bondage. And from that point on, they were slaves because he was hoping they would die. He didn't want them to multiply and to be strong. He wanted them to be gone because he was fearful. So then that didn't work. And so our story picks up with these two amazing women these two amazing women that start doing things for us. And that was Shifra and Pua, the midwives, the two midwives. So he gave them the edict that he's gonna go and they're supposed to kill every baby boy. Think about that for a second. You're there to give life. You're there to help people. And now your job is to kill all the baby boys. But you are a woman back in an ancient world that had no voice, no authority, but they stood up against the Pharaoh. They're called into the palace. Think about that. You're called into the palace in front of the Pharaoh. I think I would be terrified. I probably would not be able to speak, I would probably be shaking, wondering if he was going to kill me. But they didn't do that. They spoke up. They were smart women, very smart women, because they fed into his fears. Because of that fear that he had about the people overcoming them, he decided that they're going to you know, feed into that and say, oh, but they're so much stronger. He believed that. Now, come on. I know there's a lot of women in here, Childbirth is kind of the same for a lot of us, right? But all of a sudden, the Israelite women could just have them with no problem. Yeah, that's not how it works and we know that. But the Pharaoh believed that. He believed that. So we ended up having him going into that. Well, the women wouldn't do it because why? They trusted their God. They trusted the faith that they had, the promises that God had made to them that they were gonna live out their faith. They were gonna be strong and courageous enough to do those things for their God. That's what they did. So then of course, the Pharaoh, as the story goes on, he's gotta come up with something else. So the scripture says what? Let's throw the babies in the Nile River. Just throw them away like they're useless. These baby boys are useless. So our next hero that comes in is the mother, Moses' mother. Take a second, think about it, you are excited. You're gonna have a baby, right? You're excited. But I bet my prayer at that time, knowing what was happening would be, let me have a baby girl because the fear has got to be so strong within you that if you have a baby boy, it's probably gonna get killed. If the Egyptians didn't come and kill it, someone else was gonna come and throw it into the river but she was a woman of promise. She knew the scripture. She knew all the stories of Abraham and Jacob and Isaac and Joseph, all those stories, all the promises that God is faithful. He is a promise keeping God that is going to walk with you through all of your trials, all of your tribulations, everything that happens to you, God is with you. God is never gonna leave you. So she had faith. So what she did is that she got a basket. She took a basket and she sealed it so that it would float. And she had the faith enough to put her son, Moses, in that basket and send it down. Now think about that, send it down the river. But so many times when we read scripture, there's like one little verse, but it's so important. If you go back to the Hebrew scripture, this is not called a basket, it's called tabah. Tabah is only mentioned two times in the Old Testament. The two times that it's used in the Old Testament is for Noah's ark and for Moses' basket. So it's the ark, it's the covenant, it's the promise that God was with his people back with Noah when all the animals went up and were saved, just like the mother of Moses. So this is not just a simple basket. This is a promise that God will keep us safe that when we're thrown into the Nile River, when we're thrown into all that turbulence that's going around in this world and what is happening to us, that God's going to walk right beside you. He's going to save you from whatever's going on in your own personal heart and your own personal life. Now, our next hero is the sister, Miriam. We know her name. Miriam was probably eight to 10 years old. Now, have any of you have a younger sibling, younger brother or sister? Did you get excited when they were being born if you were old enough to remember? Think about if you're an eight year old girl and you're gonna have a baby brother, you're excited. You cannot wait to get your hands on them and to love them. But when this baby was born, they had to keep him quiet. He couldn't make any noise. Now, there's children in here. Are they perfectly quiet all the time? For three months, can you keep them quiet? That's what Moses' mother and Miriam did. And so when they take the baby and they place him and he goes down the Nile, Miriam goes with it. Now, she's a child but she goes and follows along beside to take care of them, to look upon them, but she doesn't know what's gonna happen. She has no idea what's gonna happen to them, but she goes. And when the, she sees the Pharaoh's daughter, she sees the, her coming, she's brave enough to leave her hiding place and to go and to approach her. She doesn't know what's gonna happen to her, but she goes anyway. Then the story really gets interesting because Pharaoh's daughter, and this are the different cloths to represent the different women. She's the one here in the purple cloth with the gold. She's wealthy. She lives in the palace. She goes, and she knows the minute she sees that baby, it's a Hebrew child. It's Jewish. Everyone in the land knew what they were doing. It was no secret. They knew they were killing all the baby boys. They knew that. So for her to defy her father is a big deal. We think that, oh, well, she lives in the palace, but no. Women did not count in this time, but she takes that baby and it cries. And the scripture teaches us she had compassion for that child. So she picks up that baby and loves it. She loves that child. She sees it, but he keeps crying. Well, you can kind of see why he's hungry. He's probably hungry. So what does it say? They go and she is brave. Miriam steps forward and she says, gee, would you like me to go get someone to nurse the baby? And she says, great idea. So it ends up being the mother. Two women that loved this baby boy become Moses' mother. Two women, how amazing that is that these women come and love them and nurture her and bring that. So the mother gets to bring Moses up for probably the first eight years of his life. So he's learning the scripture, learning the covenant, learning the prayers, learning the promises of everything. And then the scripture at the very end tells us they go back to the palace. And when we go back to the palace, then it grows up as an educated person because God's promise to the Israelites was all planned where he put Moses in the position where he would know all of the Hebrew scripture, but would also be with the Egyptians. And that's the God that we worship today. That's the God that each and every one of us have that is there with us, loving us, taking care of us, protecting us. So I want you to think for just a couple of minutes, who are you in this story? Are you the midwife? Are you the midwife that's sitting here wondering, can I be courageous enough to stand up against oppression, authority, to speak up against, we don't know what's gonna happen to us, are you brave enough to do that? It takes a lot of courage. Are you the mother that loves your child so much that you're willing to let it go? Are you the mother that can do all that is asked of you, but then to come back and bring it up in the faith? How important that is for all of us to bring our children up in the faith of God, that we are the women of our children, so that they know who God is, that they hear the promises, they hear what God has done for us for generations. That is a very important thing for all mothers to hear today and all women that are out there, because that is what God has asked us to do. Are you, Maryam? Are you the woman to go or the girl to go and to be led by the Holy Spirit to walk beside your brother and sisters, to walk beside them whenever they're in turmoil? I even think sometimes maybe I relate to the Nile River When I'm in all of that chaos in my life, because it's not always simple, it's not always easy, is it? There's things that happen in our lives and we wish so bad that someone could rescue us. Well, when you're in all of that turmoil and all those things that are happening in your life, I want you to know that God is there for you. He has a basket, he has an ark because he is our promise keeping God. Know that he will never abandon you and never leave you. Are you the princess that is able to go and stand up against oppression, stand up against babies that were being killed? Are you the one to cry out for the needy? Are you the ones that are gonna go and help other people in our community? This was right on her back door. So think about that, what child, what person is right here beside us that we can go and help? So who are you? Are you Mae Smith, 75 years old, thinking that maybe I'm too old to do something? But God says, no, you're not. So when Mark or the youth department is asking us to go on a mission trip and sleep on the floor, What's our answer? Is it going to be yes? Are we going to lead these children and lead people in faith? That's what we're asked to do, and that's what this story is about. All the beauty that we see in Hollywood when we see the Ten Commandments doesn't focus on these five women. But we would not have a story. We would not have this without them. Brave people that were willing to say yes to God. Let us pray. Our most gracious and loving God, I thank you for everything that you've done to us, that you have come and created a world of love, a world that has unexpected heroes in it, a world of people that are not the ones that we think would be the natural leaders, not the ones that would come, that you have called each and every one of us, because we have a covenant with you, because you are our God. You are the person that has come into our lives and our hearts, and you're the one that has given us the power to do everything, because with your love and with you guiding us, nothing is impossible. So be with us now as we say your holy prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thy is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
3: On the night that Jesus was with his disciples and it was his last night with them before he was sent on the cross, Jesus also left them with promises. He took the bread that was on the table. He blessed it, thank God for it. He broke it. gave it to his disciples and said, I promise you, this is my body broken for you. Eat of it each time you get together in remembrance of me. And in the end of the dinner, he took the cup that was on the table, he blessed it, thank God for it, passed it through the table and said, here is another promise. This is the blood of of the new covenant shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it each time you get together in remembrance of me. And so we do, every single time we get together, we celebrate the sacred ritual of the Holy Communion. Right now, the ushers will be getting ready. They will release you from the back, line by line, pew by pew. As you come forward, there will be stations here. I'm inviting right now the communion stewards to come forward, prepared to serve as communion. There will be stations here with the bread and with the non-alcoholic grape juice. We also have a gluten-free option for you. As you, ta- as you come and approach the stations, hold your hands open, receive the bread, take the cup, receive the communion. We have the uh, receptacles for the cups on the sides. This is Christ's table. This is not a First United Methodist Church table. This is not United Methodist table. This is Christ's table that is open for everyone. Everyone is welcome. Everyone is encouraged. Everyone is invited to come forward and be fed.
6: Three quick announcements. To start off with, on ramp. If you are a first-time visitor, if you are someone that has not found their place yet in this church, you are not alone. I want you to go out these doors in the back and go into our garden, and you're going to see on ramp. I want you to go there and uh, talk to Lisa Hem, the director of our welcoming, and then she will find a place for you. Also, I want you to know that there's this banner right over here, Congregational Care Ministries. That's a place for you that if there's something on your heart today and you need someone to pray with you, go there right after this benediction and someone will be there. We want you to know that we are here for you all the time because God loves you and we want to share that. And you have one other opportunity today, and this is gonna start happening on the fourth Sunday of every month at our First Street uh, Methodist Mission. We provide food for families, and they need volunteers to go deliver this food to families. So there's gonna be two different delivery times. There's one at 10.45 and there's one at 12.15. So after each of the two main worship services, you can go. It's like on first street in Henderson. So it's very close, but these are families that need us to distribute and give them food. So I hope that you're able to do that and start making that part of our, um, part of our mission, part of being who God's calling us to be. So please stand for our benediction. I want you to know that Christ is before you. Christ will always walk behind you, beside you, within you. And Christ is always above us, guiding us. Go in peace.